You are now listening to the Motivational Mentors Podcast with your hosts, Luke Burrows. Touch on morning routines. I think people have to find something that works for them. And Arsenio Buck. Hey, Arsenio, let's go party. Hey, party. If someone <laughs> asked me to party right now, Luke, come on. What the hell's a, par- a party? What? A party for what? Guys, welcome back to um, Motivational Mentors. I am your host, Arsenio, as usual, along with my sidekick, Luke Burrows. And you know what today? I've got one of my partners in crime on here. I brought her on to my ESL podcast on a numerous amount of occasions. She is the wonderful, the only, the Nebraskan, although she was born in North Dakota. Nonetheless, Katrina Gleisenberg, you're on Motivational Mentors. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you too. Like, uh, it's always such great energy with you, Arsenio, and I'm happy to have met Luke recently. This is so great. Yeah, it's awesome to have you on the show. I mean, yeah, we were just talking about when we like first connected and like, you know, when it was, and then we realized it was the summer. So a few months ago, so it's finally good to make this happen and, and bring you on the show. So happy to be here. Awesome. So for those who don't know who you are, could you um, quickly dive into a little bit about you, um, who you are, what you do, and then, yeah, um, Arsenio and I will fire some questions at you. I'm just looking to see what he's doing in the camera, but anyway. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I was, <laughs> I was checking out my facial hair. My bad. Right, anyway. Okay. Here, my bad. Anyways, keep going. Okay, moving on. Okay, uh, yeah, Katrina, I'm just going to hand it over to you and uh, try not to get distracted by Arsenio. <laughs> oh, that me laugh. Okay, um, so my name is Katrina Gleisberg, and I grew up in a, um, a military family that moved around a lot, and so really had to learn to be adaptable. So I was an elementary school teacher for nine years. And I taught third grade, fourth grade, special education. And while I was teaching fourth grade, I was working on my master's degree in teaching English to speakers of other languages. And once I had that, it led me to move overseas. And I was kind of in this this place of, I love teaching, but there are some certain things about the standard um, structure of the education system that... I wasn't feeling like I was able to use my creativity and moving overseas brought me a lot of clarity. I was teaching at an American international school in Athens, Greece, and then I taught in Panama and something very, very clear to me was that no matter what setting I was teaching or what age I was teaching, mindfulness was something that drastically impacted everyone. So that after anybody practiced a mindfulness technique, including myself in the classroom, everybody was so much calmer, got so much more work done, um, was willing to take more risks, was getting along better with others. And so when I moved back to the U.S. two years ago, without, mind you, and this is scary for me, especially in in my world, to move back without like a stable, normal, traditional, full-time job, I was like, I must study this mindfulness more to, because there was some piece of clarity in a world and a time for me when a lot of things were not clear. 
So that leads me now today to I teach mindfulness. Do you, I still do some EFL, but I still teach mindfulness, and I am on this mission to spread it. Wow, that's awesome. And so, I mean, our listeners might be might be happy to put um, a name to a face, right? Because in a previous episode, when we had another guest on, and they were they're like big on meditation. And Arsenio mentioned you in that episode and how you were able to, I think, was it a class? A class of, was it children or kids? Like through mindfulness to be like, be really quiet or something. So could you talk us through that? Yes. So I believe that the particular situation, I have a, I have a lot of random stories, but when I was <laughs> teaching ESL in Athens, Greece, I had a particular class of first graders. And the first graders would come in and mind you, I had, I had students from 16 different countries and those little guys came into my class and spoke zero English. Couldn't even say, can I go to the bathroom? And that the first several days, chaotic kids crawling around, slapping each other, throwing things. I got bit by a child named Tiger. Uh, <laughs> beside themselves. And you would, I would like to give them directions and use my regular classroom management skills, but they're not understanding things. So I'm using gestures and all sorts of things that an ESL teacher would use to an entire class of beginners, which I was giving way more students than I, I should have. But eventually, this one particular mindfulness technique called TAPS, where everybody sits still, back straight, hands buckled, um, we work on breathing, and then eventually we work on closing their eyes, which can be scary for some. I was able to go within a few weeks to the class that was chaotic, where I was like, someone's going to die, someone's going to get injured, like the other, t- the other class or classrooms around me are being disturbed with the amount of noise. I was able to go from that chaos to all of these first graders not speaking English to have them sit still and just breathe. And then I had, I had teachers who came in who were just absolutely floored. Like, how did you get so-and-so to sit? How did you get so-and-so to, to, to write? I haven't been able to communicate with so-and-so. Uh, how, is, how are these kids sitting still? All of these questions. And I said, it's, it's a mindfulness technique I learned back when I was teaching at a public school in Nebraska. And then that kind of spread. And then the principal of the school asked me to present that mindfulness technique at a school assembly. And then I realized, ah, ah, what works for me can work for anyone, any grade, et cetera. Oh, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> Of course, us having those amazing conversations and whatnot, especially applying so many of these different techniques and the techniques that you've shared with me on my ESL podcast. I just find it just unbelievably fascinating going into our last discussion we had, which was about mindfulness over discipline. So I want, yeah, yeah, I thought that was uh, also very, very interesting and you know what? Well, how did you develop that? Because again, if you look at if we talk out uh, talk about things and you know generality and whatnot, if you look at the prisons, right? Prisons, the de- detainees, the system is going to suck them in over and over and over until they throw them lives their lives away. 
there's not a system within the prison that actually teaches them about mindfulness so they could stop making the same mistakes. They're going to be put in and they're going to come out the same person. Spending your life in there two years up to 30 years is not going to change the individual. So again, when we talk about discipline and detention, going from school to being put in jail for years, how does mindfulness play a significant role in that? So my biggest thing, and this, this doesn't matter if we're talking about an elementary school classroom or if we're talking about a group of adults like us, or if we're talking about people in the prison system, mindfulness is proactive. Discipline is reactive. Mm. And I love, 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 love the quote that many people have heard from the Dalai Lama of if every child, if every eight year old in the world was taught meditation, violence would cease to exist in one generation. And when we practice meditation, and if I'm relating that specifically to um, attitudes of mindfulness, we have attitudes in there such as patience, trust, non-judgment, non-striving, compassion, gratitude. And it's true that if we practice all this and realize that our emotions are within our control, starting with the breath, then it's true. If we were to take that mindful pause to pay attention to our breathing and pay attention to what is the physical sensation in my body when I'm experiencing certain emotions, we would be less reactive because we're taking a mindful pause. So we're not going to react. And interestingly enough, there are some prisons in which mindfulness is starting to be implemented and the results are fantastic. And everybody's reporting, everybody is reporting that, you know, there's less fights breaking out. There's, you know, there's more respect being shown, all of this. I do contract teaching through a mindfulness organization here. And one of the women that I teach with, she also teaches mindfulness in the prison system. And she says that it is unreal. It is unreal the results that she can get from a prison system. It makes her remember or reminds her that we all have the same needs we are all human. We all have the same needs to be listened to and to express our emotions. It's just that we are not taught how to. We're not mm. taught how to do it healthy. There's, there's, so much, there's so much put on elementary school teachers beyond academics. It, you know, teachers are ex- expected to also play the role of psychologists and social worker and behavior interventionists and all of these other things. And how how irritating is it that when there are budget cuts that happen, what are the things that get cut? Things like the arts that allow kids to express themselves mm. and things like psychological care, like counselors and school psychologists yep. and all of this, where in basic lessons with the guidance counselor they students can learn things like to breathe, but oh my goodness, the, the mindfulness. I think if I would have learned this as a child, I would have been oh my gosh, so, uh, much less self conscious, much less of a perfectionist, and realizing that I do have power within. I do have this power within. Mm-hmm. It, it, it sounds, it, it's a simple thing, but it's something that I I didn't find until I was an adult. So how can or some ideas that you you, know, you might you might you might have as like I suppose as like a society that we kind of like change and actually realize that mindfulness 
is so impactful and can help us. Um, yeah, I'm curious on that because, you know, I'm all about, well, part of, you know, my bigger mission is to have an impact on like the education system with like personal growth as a, as a whole, you know, so obviously that includes this as well. And so I'm just curious on, on your thoughts on that. So first of all, I don't know that a lot of people know exactly what mindfulness is. Um, I think that they think that being mindful just means being thoughtful, which, you know, that can be part of it. But mindfulness is paying attention on purpose to the present moment without judgment. And, and that's a huge part of it, without judgment. So in order to pay attention on purpose, that could be paying attention to any one or more of the five senses. So that can be something as simple as when I'm walking, mindful walking is a huge thing. I am paying attention to the sensation of my heel, toes, etc. Lifting, touching the ground. Um, when I'm brushing my teeth, I can practice mindfulness. Am I paying attention to one or more of the senses? Just the sensation of the bristles, the taste of the toothpaste, the movement of my hand, etc. So mindfulness can be practiced for free. It's amazing for free by anyone in any place. So that can be as simple as, you know, when I was in Greece and I was riding the Metro every day and I'm smushed between people, it's easy for people to feel really constrained and lose that sense of freedom and peace. But I would stand there in the Metro, the crowded Metro, and I would literally just practice and count an inhale of eight counts and an exhale of eight counts. And that would immediately make me feel better after a long day of work. So there's so many techniques. Athletes learn mindfulness. There, there's all this psychology about how, how can athletes learn to focus better? Well, that's one, of this, that's one of the greatest, in research studies, some of the greatest impacts of mindfulness is that people who practice mindfulness on a daily basis experience less reactivity and greater attention. So there's so many tips. You take any daily activity that you already do and you can practice mindfulness while you're doing it. You know, for me, one of my simplest things is when I do my daily meditation practice, when it's nice weather, it's outside in the park. If for some of us, maybe paying attention to the breath isn't the easiest, but if I'm just listening to sounds going on around me, whether it's birds chirping, lawnmowers, chainsaws, traffic, dogs barking, I no longer think of some of those sounds as like irritating. It's like, okay, these are things that are allowing me to be present. Asenia? God, you, you know, and I've been listening and you just saying that present at the very end, I was just listening to Dr. Joe Dispenza on London Real. I think it just got released a couple days ago. He says to help, he says, forget about the future, forget about this, 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 focus on the present. And of course, now there are so many studies and brain scans being shown and coming about realizing that when you're present, oh, it's just like a, an entire different reality. And you know what? It could be a seminar of 1,000 people and all these 1,000 people, they start eating together and they start doing everything together. and They're just in oneness. Oh, man. But there are so many other times that I get unbelievably frustrated, though. It could be the littlest things, Katrina. And so one of your techniques you would say is inhaling, exhaling and whatnot. Of course, on the Metro, 
and when I'm waiting for the bus, of course, out here in Thailand, or of course, when the bus is just sitting on top of a bridge and it's not moving, I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to walk. <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean, that tension goes up and I'm like, what the hell? But I have no control over that. So could you give any more little technique, like any other techniques for people out there, especially me, that can actually use, <laughs> that can use, you know what I mean? That could use something to just calm their ass down. Okay, there there are several, but I'm gonna give I'm gonna give an example of something that's helped me most about mindfulness. There are certain people or situations that when I think of them, they're triggers. Mm. And it's like, ugh, I don't wanna think about this person that hurt me. I don't want to, I don't want to, like, ugh. And then I, I I'm gonna give an example of an ex-boyfriend, right? I'm like, ugh, I should be over him by now. I'm I don't like that I keep thinking about him. Ah. But then I remember one of the attitudes of mindfulness is non-judgment. So one of the things that helps is allowing the emotion to be there. First, allow it to be there and and tell yourself mindfulness, self-compassion is about realizing that I am human just like everyone else. Okay. I'm not the first person in the world to have a hard time with a breakup. I'm not the first person to be stressed, to lose something, to lock my keys in my car, to not to regret what I've said. So allow the emotion to be there. And then first offer yourself some self-compassion of like, and realize what you're going through. So for a lot of times, first of all, notice the body sensation because that is a warning signal that can help you in the future. So there are certain people that I know, like when I think about this particular person, I can feel this sinking feeling kind of like a roller coaster in the pit of my stomach for some people, they experience anger in the stomach. For some people, it's warmth or pulse in the face. For some people, it's tightness in the chest. For others, they clench their jaw or raise their shoulders. So notice what those body sensations are like so that you are realizing that I am not my emotion. I am not an angry person. I am experiencing anger, but I'm not an angry person. With mindfulness, we can learn to watch the emotions happen kind of like an outsider. One of my people in the organization I work for who's been teaching mindfulness for a long time says, are you in the storm or are you observing the storm? Mm. And I think that's really important to remember because if I am in a very difficult emotional state and I start to... And sometimes for me, I'll put a hand on the heart and a hand on the belly. I might start to think to myself, okay, heart rate is increasing. Stomach is sinking. So as soon as I'm doing that, I'm observing what's happening. I'm not identifying with, I'm such an angry person. And then doing the judgment of, I hate that I'm an angry person. I'm mad at myself for feeling this way. I should be over this. I shouldn't be thinking of this person practice some self-compassion because once we do practice self-compassion, I found that it was one of the biggest things that helped me heal from my breakup is that we first practice self-compassion, self-compassion for ourselves so that we can then radiate it to others. So that then when I started to think of him, I was able to say, instead of like angry, I was watching my anger after several weeks, it was kind of melting into, I have compassion for you. And I hope that you 
whatever it is. I hope that you get help. But it was turning to compassion. And then when I was wishing him, him compassion, I was wishing him peace. Like, I wish you peace. And then I would also, because a lot of times we wish things for other people, but we forget to do so for ourselves. I wish you peace, but I also wish myself peace. That mindset reframe was the biggest thing. What's your name? Do you have anything on that? Yeah. <laughs> right when you were saying that, it reminded me, of course, what Gary Vee says about empathy and all that. But nonetheless, if we dive deeper into the personal development realm, that, like, that real empathy, that real compassion, you know? And so I've heard a number of opinions out there over the last, oh my God, six years, three years, you know, doing all these different interviews. And it's always come back to me not forgiving myself. It's like when people who are like suicidal, people who are depressive, of course, of course, I'm not. But people who are that, they never forgive themselves and give themselves an extra chance. You know, they're always saying sorry to them. Sorry, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, say sorry to yourself. And so finally, I did that over the last week. I apologize to myself for being judgmental in terms of who, what people have framed me to be all my life. And you know what? It's been the single greatest transformation of my life now. Because now when I look at people, I no longer see bad looks anymore. And I think the bad looks that I used to see is the way I would look at myself in the mirror. So now when I see people, and over the last, what, week, they all smile. They look at me either with a neutral face, they smile, some even blow kisses, women only. But I'm serious, like it has been that type of transformation. And I'm amazed because now I don't have to go ignoring the world every, anymore and just being hateful and, you know, just having all this anger built up inside of me saying this and that because that was the world I created. Now I forgave myself for everything. And now the reflection I see out there in the world is what I see in myself now. Mm-hmm. My life has literally changed. Like this has been the single greatest achievement of my life that has just happened over this last week last week because now i'm free so now i'm glad you really pointed that out but how long is that like how long has that took you to get to that point you know i think to like point out to, to, to our listeners because you know it's not like an overnight thing is it <laughs> six years <laughs> i gotta be honest that took six and a half years man you know what i mean like Again, you could, and this is why maybe there was just so much of a buildup. We brought on people by the names of Champka. She's a personal development coach. She has said things that hit me. I brought on someone else on my personal development podcast by the name of Jazz Pitt. Uh, I brought on so many different people, and I think they were just kind of pushing me more, more, more until that bit to that big answer. And that big answer was me. Of course, it's me. And then that's when I said, "Okay, Arsenio, I forgive you." And who was the, uh, Colton, there we go, Colton Trout. He was the one. Mm. I'm no longer saying affirmations. Sorry, Katrina, I'm just still in the show. I'm no longer saying affirmations. I'm saying affirmations. I'm not saying I'm handsome. I'm saying, why is it that I have an abundant amount of confidence? Well, I could write you a list of 100 things right now. And that changed my mainframe. I'm like that seriously changed everything deep with within my subconscious mind. And now I have full control. So now there's no more pity parties. There's all vision parties. 
and kiss blowers. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know what I'm saying? But anyways, okay, there it is. <laughs> and, and what you're describing, what you're describing with, you know, wishing people these things and receiving these smiles and kisses and whatever is there is a part of mindfulness called heartfulness and heartfulness entails all of that compassion, gratitude, empathy. So there are all of these heartfulness practices and the self-compassion for me, I've been able to see that as a way to combat the judgment is just practicing the compassion of, I wish you peace, right? We can do that to our, we can do that to anyone who we can't stand or we're having a hard time with, wish them peace. It does wonders for us. So if you're interested in the, the realm of self-compassion and there is a guru of mindfulness, self-compassion, her name is Kristen Neff. N-E-F-F. And if you want to listen to, if you want to read one of her books, or if you want to do a a meditation, a a mindfulness self-compassion practice where you're listening to her words and, you know, imagining what she says and putting your hands on your heart, et cetera, check out Kristen Neff. Another strategy that we teach in our adult mindfulness classes I love teaching adult mindfulness because it does just as much for me as for anyone else. But the strategy is called RAIN. R-A-I-N. So the the R of RAIN is for recognize. So when you're experiencing a difficult motion, take a moment to just recognize what is happening. Because a lot of people, they're so quick to react. They do something and they don't even think about what I'm feeling or why. And... That's what gets them in trouble. So just recognize what is the emotion, okay? Maybe it's anger, jealousy, um, bitterness, impatience, etc. Notice what it is, recognize, and then also recognize how does it feel in the body. That will buy you some time and it will also make you aware of, okay, like I'm a human. I experience things in my body. These, these facts, whereas a lot of people think of emotions as, as something not concrete, Well, think about how it feels in the body. So that's R, recognize. A is for allow. Allow yourself to feel that way. A lot of people feel guilty about experiencing negative emotions, but everyone experiences the broad range of emotions. So allow yourself to feel it. Don't stuff it. Don't feel bad about it. Just allow yourself to to experience it. That's R-A-I is investigate. So that could be that a, a, a part of that could also be like the, the body part that could, or realizing, yeah, the body part of where you feel it. That part could also be asking yourself some questions of what do I need right now? Right. Because our body tells us things. And a lot of times we don't listen to our body. Like we are there, you know, colleague that I teach mindfulness with was an attorney for 25 years. And we go into the dentist and they would say, oh, you're clenching your jaw. You're grinding your teeth. And he's like, I don't know what he wasn't paying attention to those things. So mindfulness makes you aware of what you're feeling in the body as a warning system of, ah, if I have this, this feeling in my back, in my shoulders, in my jaw, whatever, maybe it's because I'm stressed and I'm not listening to what my body needs. My body needs some relaxation. My body needs some self-care. 
So that's the investigate of what do I need right now? Not getting obsessed with the uh, why is this happening, but what is my body asking for right now? And then the N is non-identification. The part of what we talked about of I am not identifying with the emotion. I am not that angry person. I'm experiencing an emotion, but I'm not an angry person. I'm not making up stories about myself. Just because I experienced this one, one emotion does not mean I'm this. Does not mean that I'm a, a product of this story that has happened over and over in my life. So the end can also be non-identification, but I've also read that the end can be nurturing. Nurturing, give yourself the self-love. And a lot of um, mindfulness, self-compassion practices, we say things to ourselves, and then we say it to the person that we're visualizing. So the, may you be happy, may you be healthy, may you live with ease. So non-identification and then nurturing, give yourself that, that compassion. That's the biggest thing. And um, like I said, with, with mindfulness, is that that self-compassion has helped me to get over the judgment. So when I make a mistake, when I do something that has irritated my, irritated me that I might have beat myself up about, like locked my keys in my car, realize I'm not the first person in the world to experience this. I am human, like everyone else, and I make mistakes. And then when you think it in terms of these emotions – are human emotions, then instead of feeling so lonely, isolating yourself, judging yourself, it's realizing that, ah, we're all connected. We're all connected by having these emotions. That nurture is everything. Oh my God. I love it. You know what? Oh my God. What has happened over the past month? Something whereas I literally wanted to inflict self pain upon myself because I felt I was the dumbest motherfucker on the face of the mother plant. Like, it was, oh my God, what was it? Like, it was something about keys or locking. It was something minute. But I felt like, our, uh, of course, I forget shit. There we go. So, in Vietnam, I forgot my headphones, my Bose headphones, in the shirt pocket, along with five U.S. dollars or ten U.S. dollars. And I sent it out to get it washed. Of course, it's going to come back with no goddamn cord and no 10 US dollars. And so I'm like, Arsenio, you fucking... And I just kept beating myself up over and over and over. So when you said that about nurturing, taking that step back, it's everything. Like, I'm not the only person that forgot a, a, a Bose headphones cord. Well, probably, yeah. But anyways, I'm not the only person that forgot, like, a cord the money. I'm pretty sure I am the only one that forgot a Bose cord headphone, whatever you want to call it, and 10 US dollars in Vietnam in a shirt pocket. But I'm not going to beat myself up for it anymore. People seriously need to understand that because they become too judgmental of themselves. They start saying they're stupid, that they can't concentrate. They start turning to the likes of Jim Quick to say, oh, I have short memory. I'm blaming myself on this. And then they go even deeper and they start blaming other people for their mishaps. No, 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 no. You're not the only person. Arsenio is the only person, but you're not the only person to forget, you know, specific things. You know what I mean? So Jesus, thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that, Katrina. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, one thing, you know, we were talking before, you know, for this episode, and we, we, because mindfulness is such of a huge like topic, um, we were trying to find uh, like a niche on, on where to take the episode. Um, 
you mentioned that how it's helped you to do things like this, right? To do things like podcasts and to do things like, um, or just things online, you know? So could you talk a bit about that and how mindfulness has, has helped you with that? Yes. So I, two years ago, I started taking an emotional intelligence training and I became aware of some, some things about myself of some uh, limiting beliefs or stories I was making up of, you know, certain people do successful things or make videos or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's not me. That's not me. Then I was able to, well, well, why not me? What is the limiting belief behind it? Well, there's all this, I grew up as the most shy, self-conscious, perfectionist child. If I couldn't do something that was above and beyond, I just wouldn't do it or I wouldn't submit it or I wouldn't show anybody else. So something that has helped me is that attitude of mindfulness that is non-striving, non-striving, non-judgment, all of these things. It's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Done is better than perfect. So when I am, have been starting to feel that self-consciousness, I mean, mind you, I, I, that's still something that I, it's not like it's gone completely, right? It's taken, it's taken a few years of practice. But when I'm starting to experience that self-consciousness, um, I'm able to ask myself questions. So it might be questions such as, why do you want to do blank? Okay. Uh, why do I want to make this video? It's not because it's all about me. It's not because I want to put my face out there. I was never a showy person. It's because I have found a strategy that has served me and I want to share that with other people. So it's bringing it back to, this is something I can, this is something that I can do because I believe in a message. So when I was first challenged during an emotional intelligence training to do a video of myself, I was so scared. I had the phone in front of me and like for like, oh, it was over 10 minutes. I was like uh, about to push and then I wouldn't. I was about to push and something that helps now, like now, well, now I'm able to do these videos. I can do mindfulness videos wherever I happen to be in public. Not a big deal. But I had to understand, I had to develop that mindset of, okay, what am I feeling? What is this nervousness, whatever, before? Okay, I'm recognizing it. I'm allowing it. But then also I'm focused on all of these things, the self-compassion, and I'm focused on what it is that I want to spread. And it's about this message and it's not just about me and how am I going to look and am I, am I going to stumble over my words or whatever. So all of these mindful or attitudes of mindfulness can play into anything that you do throughout your day. Um, yeah, I would have never thought two years ago that I would be talking about it with people like you of something that's recorded live that hasn't been rehearsed, that has no script and just the ease of just let it flow. Just let it flow because my ability for connection and for serving others and spreading things like mindfulness is so much greater now than 
anything of I care about of how is this going to look and what mistakes I'm going to make. That's awesome. Arsenio, do you have anything on that? That's a good point. Real quick, Luke. Uh, Yeah. Let me give you an example. So we have brought someone on by the name of Ella, wonderful soul from Canada. And I realized that there was a part during the podcast. She, you know, she asked Luke, she's like, can you delete that? And I'm like, it's no big deal. But that happened again when I actually brought her on my Instagram live. She said, oh, can you delete the parts out that I sound weird? I'm like, no, no, just let it flow. Be non-judgmental to yourself because, again, we're not all perfect. Some things aren't going, you know, we're going to be spitting out some gold bullets, okay? Sometimes silver will come out. Then some bronze will come out. Then there'll be a little copper. Then there'll be wood. You know what I mean? And so a lot of people... They have a tendency, and we have a tendency, they, like like interviewers. They're like, "Hey, so what questions are you gonna have?" We're like, "Questions." You know, you know <laughs> what I mean, Luke. Yeah. Luke, it's like questions. questions. We're not. No, no offense. I know Katrina. You go to the some of the greatness and everything. He's been podcasting for the longest, but I'm not that 21 question type of guy. I let things flow. I'm not gonna edit anything because it wastes my time. <laughs> But if yes, it wastes my time. But at the same time, I'm going to show you what other people would deem as vulnerabilities, insecurities, and I'm allowing you to judge me based on me using possibly improper grammar or say this wrong or do this or do that. Yeah, judge me. I'm out here. Judge me all you want. It doesn't matter. You know, that's the most important rule of life. Absolutely. And when we're vulnerable with others, it gives them permission to do the same. And it's that vulnerability that causes that great connection. And I, it was interesting that you mentioned the summit of greatness. Um, Cause actually there was a speaker, Kyle Cease at the summit of greatness, who I have been consuming his, his videos like nonstop in the month since the summit of greatness. And Kyle Cease was a comedian, and now he's this transformational coach, speaker, author. He's amazing. But he says with every speech that he does that he starts his speech not knowing exactly what he's going to say. He feels the energy from the people that he's speaking to, and that kind of guides him. But he says that if he were to go out there already with this prepared speech, then he wouldn't be in the present moment. He wouldn't be in the present moment offering to his audience what it is they need to hear. They wouldn't get his true authentic self. And, oh, he says so many other amazing gems. I mean, if anybody's interested, listen to Kyle Cease. But he is all about these mindfulness things of going with what the body says. Pay attention. He's like, um, when you're offered um, a decision and – He'll ask, does it feel expansive, like freeing? Are you excited about it? Or does it feel um, like restrictive and contracting? If it feels in your body restrictive, contracting, then your answer is no. If you're making that decision and you already have to make up this giant pro-con list to help you decide, then your answer is probably no. So then it comes back to self-awareness? Yes. Yes. A lot of us don't trust our intuition enough, but when we take the time to be mindful and pause and do these mindfulness sits, we're activating that intuition. We're, we're accessing that clarity 
that we aren't able to access when we are stressed out all the time and we have all of when the amygdala, the part of the brain that's like the fight or flight, when that's firing, when we're in that super stressed out mode, we're not able to access the prefrontal cortex like other parts of the brain that help us with deeper level thinking, like critical thinking, because we're so stressed out. So once you take the moment to pause and be mindful, you'll have so much greater clarity and that intuition will just come out and you can be your greatest self. Awesome. I love that. Arsenia, do you have any um, like questions, like final questions or thoughts or anything? Yeah, man. I just, of course think... you do. Why, why, why do I ask? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Again, I know Luke always get, you know, he always asks the final question and whatnot, but me, I always give like a nice little speech to sum up everything. But honestly, um, you know, talking about, mindfulness and having already talked about meditation with you and whatnot, I just think the, the, the curiosity, and I think you've tapped into that, especially in this episode with a lot of people, because I do feel that a message was given like a very, very deep message that kid, that arousal of curiosity saying to myself, you know what, this is something I really need to look into because I do have problems in specific areas of my life that do need development. Again, not going to judge myself, nurture myself, but also identify, like you said, investigate the little areas of my life that I could be better at to secure better relationships, to help people in different, you know, in different walks of life and whatnot. So yeah, I mean, just having this conversation with you is always an absolute joy, man. Thank you so much for coming on, Katrina. Thank you so much. Your, your energy is great. And I must say, I love the free flowing conversation that you guys set the platform for. This is great. Cause I was like, ah, mindfulness passion is one of my favorite things. We didn't set out and say like, Hey, this is going to be our topic, but it goes where it needs to go. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. That's what we tried to do here. So do you have any final thoughts or word or words of inspiration for our listeners? I would say because a lot of us, when, when adopting any new habit, oh my gosh, myself included, um, get overwhelmed with the idea of taking on something big. So, so my thought would be, since mindfulness is accessible to anyone at any moment for free, if you just spend one minute, one minute with whatever you're doing throughout the day, of just noticing the sounds, any of the sensations, um, that it could be the temperature, the feeling of the wind on your skin. If you just take one minute to be present, that will still do wonders for the body. So starting that, those small baby steps are everything. So yeah, just don't overwhelm yourself. Don't judge yourself and just listen to your body to give yourself that self care that we need, that we neglect so much. Yeah, I love that. Just start with one minute and kind of go from there. So that's awesome. Um, where can people find you online if they want to learn more about what you do and check out your videos and everything? Yes. So Katrina Gleisberg, uh, I know that this will be written because Katrina yes. And yeah, so I can be found uh, through Katrina Gleisberg. And even on Instagram, you know, there are links to my website. 
um, to my Facebook page, to my YouTube channel. And my YouTube channel does have several short one, two, three minute videos of mindfulness practice of a breath or a movement that you can do that can help. So yes, they are all connected. You go to one and there's the connection to all of them. Awesome. So yeah, I'll definitely link that in the description below, but yeah, thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you so much. It was a delight to talk to you guys. No worries. So guys, if you know anyone who needs to hear Katrina's message, then you know what to do. Share this episode of Motivational Mentors with them and we will be back same time, same place next week for another episode of the show. So we, so we will see you then. Did you find this episode helpful? If you did, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. New episodes of the Motivational Mentors podcast are available every Friday.